Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Xander's Facts Podcast! Hey y'all, what is going on? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander's Facts Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and we are rolling with a brand new episode of the podcast here on Wednesday, August 24th, 2022. Thank you all for listening, and welcome back to the Xander's Facts Podcast. It has been almost a month of no new Xander's Facts episodes, but we are back this week, ready to roll, and I got a bunch of facts for you, which we are going to get into in just a second. But first, remember, if you like the Xander's Facts Podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts on this week's edition, remember to follow the podcast, download this episode, episode 73, rate the podcast, review the podcast, then go on all your socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Xander's Facts, that's Xander with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread facts, Xander's Facts Podcast, tell all your friends, and tell them to listen to Xander's Facts anywhere they get their podcasts, and on YouTube, because Xander's Facts is on YouTube, and check out Xander's Weekend Facts, you and your friends should check out Xander's Weekend Facts, a recap of the week's top headlines every Sunday morning in your email inbox, it's free, from Xander, check it out, and then get all the Xander's Facts links that you need from the Xander's Facts link tree. It is linked in this episode's description. Everything Xander's Facts is there. Check that out. So as I said, it has been a month, almost, since the last new episode of the Xander's Facts podcast. But I'm back. I took a break. But the facts are back. The facts sometimes have to take a little bit of a rest. Because there's so many facts you get overwhelmed. Well, we've got brand new facts this week, which I am going to share with you. And a lot has happened in that last month. A ton of news stories, a ton of sports stories. I got a ton of facts in my brain, and I got to release them. So this week, I'm basically going to be hitting on three big topics that happened in the last month. Some of which you might know, some of which you might not. Something for everybody. I got news, I got politics, I got sports, I got everything in this podcast. So you're going to like it. And there's a lot of stuff that happened that we're not even talking about on this podcast this week. Which you might know about, though, if you read Xander's Weekend Facts. Another plug, go check out Xander's Weekend Facts. But this week I got three big topics. But I did want to say that at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be revealing a lot of what we're going to be talking about in the fall here on the Xander's Facts podcast. Because I've got episodes planned out until, like, December. Like, we've got a ton to talk about this fall, a roadmap. I'm going to give you a Xander's Facts roadmap so stick around for the end of the podcast for that why would you do this to me let's get started with our first topic which i would say is arguably the biggest story to happen in the last month and if you don't know what i'm talking about you might have been living under a rock because as i said many things have happened that we're not going to talk about liz cheney lost her primary in wyoming The Inflation Reduction Act is now law, if you didn't know that. Reducing inflation and climate bill. Oh my gosh. The Big Ten signed a new TV deal, which actually we're going to talk about next week because next week is the beginning of our football season preview. A little look ahead. But this was the biggest story. Back on Monday, August 8th, the FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigations in the United States of America, executed a search warrant on the Mar-a-Lago Resort in Palm Beach, Florida, which just so happens to be the residence of one Donnie Boy. And you know which Donnie Boy I am talking about. The man who was president of this country for four years. And oh boy, did people react to that. I was on vacation when that happened, and I was still like, ooh, big time news. So. Basically, what was this all about? You might not know this, and it came a few weeks ago. You may still not know. But I'm going to give you the definitive facts on this. Good to know. Because this was part of an investigation that was being conducted by the Justice Department regarding the handling of presidential documents. So this is not the investigation that's going on with January 6th. That's a separate one that involves Dottie Boy. So we got at least two investigations and there are more regarding him 
and his company, the Trump Organization, which, as it turns out, is not very clean. Huh. So this is not part of the January 6th investigation. This is a different investigation. And we found this out. We found out about the raid by Donnie Boy himself because he was so kind as to send out a message, I believe, on his Truth Social or whatever, which I have found does not have the truth a lot of the time, just to let you know. Kind of false advertising. But he sent out a message that said he had been raided. And he was in New York at the time, so he wasn't there. He wasn't in Florida. But he sent out the statement. If you haven't read the statement, though, it's pretty good. And if you have it, that's okay. Because I did. So now I'm going to read this statement to you from Donnie Boy, the 45th president of the United States, put out a statement after his residence in Florida was raided. Here is what it says, quote, Here it comes! These are dark times for our nation as my beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago, in Palm Beach, Florida, is currently under siege, raided, and occupied by a large group of FBI agents. Nothing like this has ever happened to a president of the United States before. After working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. It is prosecutorial misconduct, the weaponization of the Justice Department, and an attack by radical left Democrats who desperately don't want me to run for president in 2024, especially based on recent polls, and who will likewise do anything to stop Republicans and conservatives in the upcoming midterm elections. Such an assault could only take place in broken third world countries. Sadly, America has now become one of those countries, corrupt at a level not seen before. They even broke into my safe! Exclamation point. What is the difference between this and Watergate, where operatives broke into the Democrat National Committee? Here, in reverse, Democrats broke into the home of the 45th President of the United States. Ooh, Donnie boy. The political persecution of President Donald J. Trump, referring to yourself in the third person, very nice, has been going on for years, with the now fully debunked Russia, Russia, Russia scam Impeachment hoax number one, impeachment hoax number two, and so much more. It just never ends. It is political targeting at the highest level. Hillary Clinton was allowed to delete an acid wash 33,000 emails after they were subpoenaed by Congress. Acid wash, how about that? Absolutely nothing has happened to hold her accountable. She even took antique furniture and other items. From the White House. Can you believe that? I stood up to America's bureaucratic corruption. I restored power to the people and truly delivered for our country like we have never seen before. The establishment hated it. Now, as they watch my endorsed candidates win big victories and see my dominance in all polls, they are trying to stop me and the Republican Party once more. The lawlessness, political persecution, and witch hunt must be exposed and stopped. I will continue to fight for the great American people. Unquote. What do you say? So, there you go, Donnie Boy in his own words. How about that? Truly as eloquent as ever. So, I'm going to give you the fact. Those weren't facts on this. Don't, like, that was just for fun. I'm actually going to give you the facts here about this situation, starting off with that the FBI obtained the search warrant to search Mar-a-Lago through a request from a magistrate judge. The judge in Florida approved the request because he found that DOJ had given sufficient reasoning as to why the search needed to be conducted. Now, the magistrate judges are not appointed by any president. They are approved by a group of federal judges. So this individual was not an Obama appointee or a Biden appointee or even a Trump appointee. He was not appointed by any president. So the reason, apparently, that the judge approved the request was because of classified government documents that Donnie Boy had taken with him, which he did not get approved to do so. There's a process that you have to go through 
in order to be able to take classified documents with you when you leave the White House because Trump was complaining Obama was allowed to do this because Obama went through the proper channels. Donnie Boy did not. And that's why we're in this situation. So it was found in the raid that 11 sets of classified documents had been seized by FBI agents. Four sets of those 11 being top secret documents and the other seven sets being classified information only. So top secret, I guess, is bigger than classified information. Ooh. So part of the defense that Donnie Boy and his allies have given that Trump was complying with the investigation earlier on and did send back classified documents. That is true. He was complying back a couple months ago. And we found out this week through reporting that over 100 classified documents comprising of over 700 pages were actually sent back to the National Archives in January. And it was also reported this week that the National Archives wanted to share those documents with the FBI and other intelligence agencies because they wanted a damage assessment to be completed. So that doesn't sound too good for the way Donnie Boy handled those. Or at least they wanted to find out in what ways he handled them. Like maybe what other people were handling them or touching fingerprints. Hmm. Hmm. Funny. Yes, but not funny. Ha ha. Funny weird. So many other Republicans have come to the defense of Donnie Boy. A lot of governors, a lot of senators, a lot of people in the House, a lot of just crazy people. But they have called on, and this is what our favorite girl Marjorie said on Twitter. It might still be up there. But she had a tweet in all caps that said, Defund the FBI. You know, the FBI as in law enforcement. Oh no. Don't defund the police, that's terrible, but defund the FBI, even though they're both law enforcement. I'm not advocating for defunding the police, but, like, you're gonna call that out, but not call the other thing out to actually say defund the FBI. Hmm. Hmm. Something's not right there. So, they've also said that the FBI is very corrupt, very corrupt, and that this is all politically motivated. This is a politically motivated witch hunt, corruption, conspiracy, coup, I don't know, whatever they say. Despite the fact that the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray is his name, was appointed in 2018 by none other than the president at the time, who was Donnie Boy, and that Wray is also a lifelong Republican. It's the truth. So they haven't mentioned those facts. They say the director of the FBI is terrible. He's probably a wild pointy. They don't even know. That Dottie boy approved the FBI director. So it's his FBI director. So, I mean, this probably isn't politically motivated. Now, in the aftermath of the raid, the search warrant was unsealed and made publicly available. The search warrant that was approved by the magistrate judge in order for the FBI to actually go and get the classified documents from Mar-a-Lago. So what the search warrant told us, because it's publicly available now, it showed that Donnie Boy is currently under investigation by the DOJ, Department of Justice, for obstruction of justice, oops, removal or destruction of records, oops, and a potential violation of the Espionage Act. Oops! Which you kinda don't want to violate, that's pretty bad. But the mishandling of classified information is also interesting, because in 2018, there was a law that was passed that actually strengthened the penalties for those who were convicted of mishandling classified information. Now, that law was signed by the president at the time, who was... Donnie Boy. Oops! There's also the fact that the search warrant was unveiled because the FBI requested it to be unveiled. Now, Donnie Boy also wanted it to be released, unveiled, released to the public. A judge complied with the FBI request. Trump, though, Donnie Boy, had his own copy, which could have been released at any time, but he didn't do it. But he said publicly he wanted it to be released. So why didn't he release it? 
Well, that's another question. Now, though, the FBI is opposing the release of the search warrant's affidavit, while media organizations have requested it to be released. So government lawyers say that the affidavit's release would compromise future investigative steps and impact the willingness of future witnesses to cooperate. Now, the judge, like a week or two ago, was like, well, maybe, but we should probably still release a lot of this and redact some parts. Now, this week, the judge is saying, uh, well, there's probably not going to be very much, if any, of the affidavit that's going to be released. And then finally, we also learned this week that Donnie Boy himself is filing a lawsuit that seeks the appointment of a special master that would review the classified documents that were seized from Mar-a-Lago. So that's a whole another thing that's going on, Donnie Boy. And now, the judge in the case is asking Donnie Boy to give more details about the lawsuit. So that's what's going on right now in this situation. And the investigation is still ongoing, so they don't know if they're going to actually charge him or not. So all that stuff is very interesting, and the fallout from this could be something. But add this to the list of the investigations that is surrounding Donnie Boy or his company. Now, the raid that actually happened caught, I think, most of us by surprise because we didn't know that the investigation was this far along regarding classified documents. Or I don't think many people were like, what is this investigation? This is a new one. So now more people know about this investigation into Donnie Boy. And let me just say, I am certainly not going to be the one to predict whether or not this is going to lead to an indictment of Donnie Boy. Because I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But it would certainly be on brand, I think, for something as silly as taking classified government documents without permission leading to Donnie Boy going to jail. With all the other stuff that he's being investigated for. This, I mean, <laughs> come on, Donnie Boy. But we'll have to keep tabs on this along with the January 6th investigation and the January 6th House Committee, which we've talked about a bunch on this podcast, which actually returns for more hearings next month. Oh, we're going to have to talk about that next month. And I wasn't even planning to talk about that next month. Oh my gosh, Sanders facts. Too many facts. So that's topic number one. And that was probably the big topic of the past month, while Xander has been relaxing his facts. But topic number two, I found to also be very interesting. This involves the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and not her husband, who was drunk driving, which is bad. But this was about her trip leading a congressional delegation to Taiwan. Oh, and I wanted to do a whole podcast about this, but I was like, well, I can give a little summary. Because I thought this was interesting. A couple of weeks ago, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, led a congressional delegation to Taiwan, and she became the highest-ranking member of the U.S. government to visit the island since 1997 when our boy Newt, Newt Gingrich, went when he was Speaker. So many Democrats and Republicans had expressed support for Pelosi to visit Taiwan in order to stand up to China. Like, a bunch of Republicans were like, Nancy, you better do this because we have to stand up to China. They think China's bad. China is bad. They're communists, but they really don't like it. So they wanted to really stick it to China. Nancy, you better go. But the White House was privately worrying about a potential visit. But Pelosi went anyway, angering China and prompting them to increase military exercises around the island, which is not good. But China's like, meh, meh, meh. And I guess this podcast isn't going to be able to be listened in China anymore, so I'm sorry. Even if it was before. I don't know. I don't know how you find that out. But if you're listening in China, hello there. Goodbye. But if you're like me, you probably don't have a lot of knowledge about the history of Taiwan and why China is so involved with Taiwan. So I decided to do a little short deep dive to provide you and myself, because I didn't really know, with the historical facts on Taiwan. So the history of Taiwan is what I'm calling it. So Big fact incoming! Taiwan 
is an island, an island that's about 35 kilometers squared as a size, and it's about 112 miles off the coast of the Chinese mainland. It is estimated to have been inhabited for thousands of years, beginning around 3000 BC. It has been ruled by several dynasties and nations throughout the years, including Spain at one point, and the Netherlands, and also Japan and China. China ruled the island for nearly two centuries until 1895 when the island came under Japanese rule, because that was Imperial Japan. They were getting everything in the Pacific. And it remained that way until the Japanese Empire fell at the end of World War II. That's when the Republic of China regained control. Then, in 1949, that's the end of the Chinese Civil War, the ROC government, the Republic of China, the Nationalists, lost to the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP. The Communists took over the mainland in China, and the Nationalists fled to Taiwan, where they then set up their government on the island. So then, they declare martial law, which doesn't end until 1987, and it was authoritarian. But in the last few decades, and especially recently, democracy has spread to the island. Everyone loves democracy. So it's kind of like democratic now. Yay! Which is good, because before that, it was a military dictatorship, which is not good. So now that Taiwan is a democracy, that's good, and most people think it's good. But China does not. So Taiwan basically operates as an independent nation with autonomy, but China and the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, actually recognize China as a part of Taiwan. China has a one-China policy that recognizes mainland China and Taiwan as one nation. They are combined. They're not separate. They are combined. So in order to appease China, most countries around the world, including the U.S., do not recognize Taiwan as an officially an independent nation. Only 13 countries around the world currently recognize Taiwan as a sovereign country. Those are Belize, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Marshall Islands, Nauru, Palau, Paraguay, St. Kitts, St. Lucia, St. Vincent, Tuvalu, and the Vatican City. Those are the only 13 countries in the entire world that recognize Taiwan as an independent nation. However, despite the fact that Taiwan isn't recognized as an independent nation, it's doing pretty well and it's unofficially treated as an independent nation by countries like the U.S. because the U.S. has separate trade deals and such with Taiwan than they do with China. They negotiate with the Taiwan government. So when Pelosi went, and she was the highest ranking official to go in the U.S. since 1997, China was not happy. Now, in 97, when Newt went, Newt, that visit got a different response. China was basically like, eh, in their response. Now, this time around, under president, in air quotes, Xi Jinping, China has been much more aggressive. It came out actually a couple days ago that she had called President Biden in July and said that China may take aggressive action if Pelosi is allowed to visit Taiwan. So Xi wanted Biden to stop Pelosi from going. But Biden said he couldn't do that because he couldn't stop someone from a different branch of government from going to Taiwan. So China's angry. So China has dispatched warships and aircraft from the military into the waters surrounding Taiwan and the Taiwan Strait, which is basically the body of water between China and Taiwan. Well, the aircraft wasn't in the water. You know what I mean. It was flying. China's military has also fired ballistic missiles into the water near the island. And in Taiwan, the reaction to Pelosi's visit was mixed, actually, because some people did welcome the speaker and said that defying China was a good thing, because they don't really like China in Taiwan. Others worried, though, that it could disrupt the status quo, 
Now, the status quo is probably for the best. The U.S. doesn't actually need to recognize Taiwan as an independent nation because they haven't, and Taiwan is doing just fine right now. They haven't been attacked, at least, yet, hopefully not. But maintaining the status quo, which is Taiwan operating independently, while not being recognized as an independent nation, is probably the best option, because any other option is probably going to lead to a military response from China, which would not be good. Nope. So basically, doing what we're doing right now is probably the best option for Taiwan and democracy in Southeast Asia, which, because of China and communism, democracy is not that common of a thing in Southeast Asia. So any democracy there, it's pretty good. Because if you didn't know, we are proponents of democracy on the Zeta's Facts podcast. Are you sure? So that I also found interesting because that was like a bipartisan thing for Pelosi to go. And she did. But China's angry. So we'll see what happens. Zeta's Facts. So that's the second topic I've got. Pelosi, Taiwan, and Donnie Boy, FBI raid investigation. The third one, though, shifts away from the news and politics. Because I wanted to talk a little soccer. Ugh. I know, I know, everyone just, oh, Xander. But you're going to like this one because Leeds United States. Oh my gosh. So I'm very excited about this final topic. I know that the last time I hosted a new edition of this podcast, we had our Xander's Facts soccer analyst Emma Adams on because we previewed the European club soccer season. The Premier League, Serie A, Bundesliga, Ligue 1, and La Liga. The five big leagues and European club soccer. They haven't started yet. Well, now they have, and we're actually a couple weeks into the season now, which I have been following very closely. And since we've got our Xander's Facts football season previews, football, American football, since we've got those for the next few weeks, I'm not going to be able to talk about soccer on the podcast for a little bit, so you'll be relieved there. But this week, I did want to give an update to the Premier League over in Europe, because I have, like, it's actually gotten to the point where I think I'm obsessed, because I have been watching all the Premier League that there is to watch these last few weeks, which you should be too, because it has been an absolutely wild start to the Premier League season, because a month ago, when we had our season preview, both Eb Adams and I were like, eh, it's just gonna be the same old, same old. Manchester City's going to win the league and it's not going to be close. And Liverpool's going to follow close behind. Everything's going to be normal, blah, blah, blah. But three weeks into the season, each club, all 20 clubs have played three games. Well, the Premier League looks as wide open as ever. And it's only been three games. And there's 38. So Xander, chill out. But I've got a compilation of some of the top storylines so far in this young season. And we are going to start, I think you might know where, because when I ranked my 20 favorite Premier League clubs to begin the season, number one was Leeds United. And that has not changed, not a bit. It's actually gotten further and further away from number two. Number one, Leeds United States. Now, let me just tell you, everybody's hopping on the Leeds bandwagon in the United States because they have two American players and they have only the second ever American manager in the Premier League in Racine, Wisconsin's own Jesse Marsh. Every American's hopping on the Leeds bandwagon and all the Brits are making fun of us. Oh, you only like them because they're American, the American club. That was Terminator. But I will tell you that I was interested in Leeds First off, I may not have said this on the podcast, but they were chasing Brendan Aronson before they even hired Jesse Marsh. That was back in like January of last year. And I believe I mentioned Jesse Marsh getting hired on this podcast and talked about Leeds last season. So I was an early rider to the bandwagon. I'm basically driving the bandwagon right now of Leeds United States fans. So first off, you're all welcome. But also, Sanders facts. And I don't know why I need to defend myself there, but I did. Spitting the truth. So let's start with everyone boarding the train to Leeds 
England, even though you can't get a train over there. But still, we're born in the plane. Over to Leeds, because this past Sunday, I was probably going to talk about Leeds. They were doing pretty well two games of the season. But the third game, this past Sunday, oh, it was, it was massive. Biggest game of the season for me. Because it was between my two top two Premier League clubs. 9 a.m. Eastern, Sunday morning, Leeds United States, and Captain America's own Chelsea Football Club. Oh my gosh. Last season, when these two teams played, Chelsea beat them twice, home and away. But only one of those games was under Jesse Marsh. And this is a brand new season. So coming into this weekend, after two games in the Premier League season, everyone's favorite, you know, Leeds United States, were off to a pretty good start, I would say, in their first two Premier League matches of the season because they had come from behind in the first weekend to beat Wolverhampton Wanderers, Wolves, 2-1 in the first weekend. And actually, the second goal was counted as an own goal, but actually, Brendan Aronson, the Medford Messi, you all know, should have been credited for that goal. I put it on my Instagram, Sanders Facts on Instagram. Go check it out, and TikTok. Yeah, that was not an own goal. They robbed him. And he's also on my fantasy Premier League team, so that was terrible. But the next week, Leeds had Southampton. They were up 2-0 over Southampton, but they lost that lead, and they finished at a 2-2 draw. So they had four points, which was, I mean, looking at the table, top half of the table, Leeds looked pretty good with four points two weeks into the season. And another team that had four points came to town, Ellen Road, home of Leeds, Chelsea. Chelsea had four points because they beat Everton and they drew Tottenham. So once again, going back to last season, Leeds had 12 matches against the big six clubs of the Premier League. Now, if you don't know the big six clubs, they are considered to be the best clubs over time in the Premier League, which has only been It's actually the 30th season of the Premier League this season. But the big six clubs are Man City, Manchester United, Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea. So when those 12 matches against those six teams, home and away, Leeds got a total of zero points. They lost all 12 games. Yikes! This week, though, was different. Because Leeds, unlike those other 12 games, started two Americans in their lineup in Tyler Adams and Brennan Aronson. While Pulisic, everybody's favorite, Christian Pulisic for Chelsea, started on the bench for the third straight week. I'm going to get into that because that grinds my griddle. So first 20 minutes or so, Chelsea were looking pretty good. They looked like, yeah, they're probably going to win this game. Because at the beginning of the game, I was like, well, Pulisic's not starting, so I'm rooting for leads. But, I mean, Chelsea's gonna win. Like, come on. And they looked pretty good. Until the 33rd minute. Brendan Aronson has the ball in the opponent's half. But he loses it. And it gets passed back to the goalkeeper for Chelsea, Edward Mendy. So Mendy has the ball. He's just dribbling at his feet. But Aronson did not like that he lost the ball. So he is chasing after Mendy. He's basically just standing there. Mendy got caught. Aronson picked his pocket, basically took the ball away. He's right in front of the goal. Aronson takes a little dribble, is not even looking at the soccer ball, and just taps it into the net because it is uncovered because he just got past the goalie. It was a huge, major mistake by Chelsea's goalkeeper. Whoops. But Aronson capitalized because that guy has got the energy of the Energizer Bunny. Like, it is absolutely insane watching him play. But it was Leeds 1, Chelsea nil in the 33rd minute. Four minutes later, Rodrigo, on a set piece, on a free kick, gets it into the net. So it's 2-0. So at halftime, it's Leeds 2, Chelsea nil, And after that mistake by Mendy, Chelsea, like, they don't, it doesn't look like they have any clue what they're doing. So then 
we come back from halftime and everybody's like, well, Thomas Tuchel, the Chelsea manager, is going to make some adjustments. I mean, they can't, they're down 2-0. But any, like, any adjustments he made, they didn't really execute on because they looked the same. Chelsea did not look good in that second half. And then, in the 69th nice minute, our honorary American, there's really three Americans on the pitch for Leeds, because honorary American Jack Harrison scored, and he put the Peacocks, the Leeds Peacocks, up 3-0, and that was it. Jack Harrison, by the way, is an honorary American because he went to high school in this country, he went to college in this country, he played in MLS, like... That's an honorary American right there, Jack Harrison. So basically, they have three Americans out there. America! And two of them scored for Leeds. And Tyler Adams was basically the man of the match because he was amazing in the midfield. And Leeds fans voted the man of the match. So there you go. But that was that. Chelsea could not get anything else. It was 3-0, the final score. What a start of the season for Leeds, who have looked really good. So far, they have seven points through three games, and they should have nine. They shouldn't have blown that lead to Southampton. Like, if you actually watched that game, that was ridiculous. But they did. And they have seven points. And more importantly, they have three points against the big six clubs in one game when they had 12 games against them last year, and they got zero points. They didn't even draw. They lost all 12 of those matches last year. And the one game that they have already played this season, they've won. How? about that. But it's not just Brennan Aronson, the Medford Messi, Tyler Adams, our honorary American, the players on the pitch. It's Jesse Marsh, the American manager. Everybody's talking before the season, oh, I don't know about Leeds United because they get Adams and they get Adams in the transfer window. But Calvin Phillips has left. Rafinha has left. Those were two big players for Leeds. And they left. But you replace them with Aronson and Adams. And everybody's saying, Oh, Jesse Marsh is an American. He only got Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams because they're also Americans. But the thing is, Aronson and Adams have both played under Jesse Marsh because Jesse Marsh was at Red Bull Leipzig in Germany where Tyler Adams was. Jesse Marsh was there for a little bit last year before... He got let go because things weren't working out in Leipzig. And Tyler Adams, he was actually, like, going to get a big transfer this summer, probably, because he was playing really well. Like, he was probably going to go to a big club. But he had injuries. He had trouble with the new manager at Leipzig. So that was a whole issue. But he's to Leeds. And that's working out pretty well. And also, Jesse Marsh was a coach at New York Red Bulls back in the day. And he coached Tyler Adams back when Adams was 15 at Red Bulls in New York. New Jersey is where they play. So they know each other. And Brennan Aronson was coached by Jesse Marsh at Red Bull Salzburg in Austria because that's where Aronson was and that's where Marsh was at the same time. So they knew each other. So, like, it's not just Americans getting Americans. It's a coach getting players who he knows work well in his system, which Jesse Marsh's system is basically pressing a lot. It's high intensity. And Aronson and Adams are perfect for it. Gash facts. And so Leeds are actually playing pretty well. There was actually a stat on Monday night on one of the ESPN soccer shows that had Leeds since the start of the 21-2022 Premier League season, which was last year, they started that season with their old coach, Marcelo Bielsa, who was the manager of Leeds since 2018. He brought them up from the championship, the second tier of English soccer, to the Premier League. But things were not working out well, so Bielsa was let go. They hired Jesse Marsh. And so they compare from the start of the 2021-2022 Premier League season what the team stats were under Bielsa and Jesse Marsh. So, under Bielsa, since the start of last season, Leeds were averaging 0.9 points per game. Under Marsh, they're averaging 1.5 points per game. That's 0.6 points better. For goals, 
Under Bielsa, Leeds were averaging 1.1 goals per game. Under Marsh, they're averaging 1.3. Goals against, Leeds were averaging 2.3 goals against them under Bielsa. So they were only averaging 1.1 goal per game, and they were averaging 2.3 goals against them. Now under Marsh, they're only averaging 1.5 goals against them. And that includes the games that Marsh coached last season, which they barely survived relegation. And now the last stat that they had, opponent expected goals. They have this stat called expected goals, which is basically what it sounds like. So under Bielsa, the opponent expected goals was 1.5 per game. Under Marsh, it is 0.6. So there has been a significant improvement with the team under Jesse Marsh. That's a lot of numbers. Like, we had an American manager in the Premier League before, Bob Bradley, with Swansea. That didn't work out so well. But, I mean, we're three games into the season. But this looks like it's actually working out well with Jesse Marsh, which would be super cool because the Brits need to know that it is called soccer. It's a fact. So, like, if you want to join the Leeds bandwagon, you better hurry up because it's getting pretty full. Because they are doing pretty well. I mean, taking a look at the table, the standings in the Premier League, three games into the season, Arsenal is first, Manchester City second, those two are supposed to be up there, but number three is Leeds, with seven points and a four plus four goal differential. They've scored seven goals compared to their opponents only scoring three goals. Leeds is doing pretty well right now. Leeds, United States. And then this Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern on USA Network, they are playing Brighton, who right now is fifth. They also have seven points. So that might be interesting. Big game alert! I mean, they did just beat up on Chelsea, but really don't take anything much away from that game. But Leeds did play really well. But Chelsea did not. And I want to get into that because... Chelsea look like they are in trouble. Chelsea were my team last year. You all know this. I mean, Christian Pulisic, the LeBron James of soccer is on their team. Greatest soccer player in the history of the world. Brendan Aronson's getting close. But right now, it's still Pulisic. And just because they were bumped to number two on my rankings doesn't mean I, like, hate them. I mean, I still really like Chelsea. But they just have not looked too good so far this season. I mean, going back to the preseason, the preseason doesn't really matter. But they played Arsenal in Orlando, and they lost 4-0, Chelsea did. And everybody's like, well, that might be it. Well, there were two sides. That's a huge issue. Or it's the preseason. And I was like, come on, it's the preseason. I mean, they lost to Charlotte FC in penalties. Like, it's the preseason. But maybe that should have been a worrying sign. Maybe we should have been like, ooh, this might be an issue. Because the first two games, well, the first game, they beat Everton 1-0. But, like... Everton, Everton is bad. Like, Everton is relegation bad. Like, the way they have played, Everton right now have one point. And that was a draw, a last-minute draw, back this weekend to Nottingham Forest, the Tricky Trees. Like, Everton's bad. And they did not look overly dominant against Everton. They scored, Chelsea did, and they basically sat there and did nothing else. So then, the next week, they play Tottenham, and oh, man, if that Leeds game hadn't happened, we would have been talking about the Tottenham-Chelsea game, because that was fireworks. It was a 2-2 draw. Chelsea were, I mean, I may be biased, but a bunch of people will tell you this. Chelsea were the better team in that game. They draw because, well, first off, let's just go back, because the two managers, Thomas Tuchel for Chelsea and Antonio Conte for Tottenham, were. I mean, they were a little aggressive towards each other. There was a skirmish after a goal was scored during the game between Tuchel and Conte. I believe it was Tottenham's goal because Tottenham's first goal came a little bit after there should have been a foul called on Tottenham, but it wasn't called by the referee. And so Thomas Tuchel and Chelsea were absolutely pissed that that no call then led to a goal. So they were super angry. Then they started getting into it. So it was 1-1. Chelsea had already scored at that point. Then Chelsea score. 
and Thomas Tuchel starts celebrating and sprints past Conte down the side of the pitch. Like, when you're celebrating, you usually don't run past the opposing manager. So Tuchel did that, and it was 2-1. But then, in like the last minute of stoppage time, Harry Kane gets a header, and Tottenham even it up 2-2. So that happens. And then, the game's over, la-di-da, the coaches go to shake hands. Antonio Conte just wants to get past Tuchel, but Tuchel, Tuchel wants him to shake his hand and look him in the eyes. Conte does not do that, so Tuchel holds on to the handshake. Conte is like, what are you doing, bro? They start having words, they start getting into it, it's a whole skirmish. Conte and Tuchel get red cards after the game is over. Like, that was a huge thing. So, 2-2, Chelsea drew. In a game they should have won. Man, that was rough. And also, Tuchel got a red card, and a later a one-game suspension by the FA, which is the soccer governing body in England. So, normally, he shouldn't have been on the touchline for the Leeds game, the next game Chelsea was playing. But he was. I don't actually know why he was able to be on the bench but clearly, I mean, he probably, you know, is prob- probably thinking now, ooh, I wish I took that one-game suspension for the Leeds game. I mean, ugh. That collapse against Leeds. I mean, against Tottenham, they looked good. They just didn't win. And against Everton, they didn't look that good, but they still won. It was only 1-0, though. And they collapsed. They collapsed. It was terrible. They looked awful against Leeds. And the answer for Thomas Tuchel, what he thinks needs to change is we need to get more transfers in because clearly the group of players we have is not working, including on the front three. The front three, the front line, the forwards, the attackers, the offense for Chelsea have looked dreadful. Their front three has been at top, at striker, Kai Havertz, who's not a striker, he shouldn't be playing striker. Mason Mount, who is a midfielder, he shouldn't be playing at top, he should be playing in the midfield. And Raheem Sterling, who they got from Manchester City. Now, you would expect your attackers, your front three, your offense, the ones closer, closest to the goal, to score your goals. But through three games, when Chelsea have only scored three goals, the front three have scored none of those. It's true! And they have missed some pretty open chances. So in each of those three games, Sterling, Havertz, and Mount have started. Not Christian Pulisic. Now, I'm not saying starting Christian Pulisic would fix it. But, like, through three games, if you're Thomas Tuchel, something needs to change. But I'm not sure, and I think a bunch of Chelsea fans are starting to get on this train, too that the players are not the issue. It's getting more and more likely that Thomas Tuchel's system is the problem for Chelsea because Tuchel came in at the middle of the 2020-2021 season, which is the season Chelsea won the Champions League. So he led them to win the Champions League. But Thomas Tuchel's thing, or his plan, his game plan, requires a sturdy, one of the best defenses in the world in order for it to work. Now, that worked in 2021 when they won the Champions League. I mean, they were not giving up goals. And their offense was fine. I mean, they beat Man City 1-0 in the Champions League final. Their offense was fine, but their defense was incredible. The next season, that their defense pieces start getting injured, transfer rumors, oh yeah, a bunch of that stuff's happening. So it's not as good. And they finish in third. Now, the thing I'm overreacting about Leeds, Chelsea were atop the Premier League for a lot of the first part of the season. So, you know, first part of the season, don't take much into what's going on. But I find your lack of fate disturbing. Leeds, United States. But back to Chelsea. I mean, their defense wasn't as strong last year, and they get knocked out in the quarterfinals of the Champions League to the eventual Champions League winners, Real Madrid, but still. So this year... They lose a bunch of defensive guys, and they bring some people in on transfers, Koulibaly, Kukurea, 
Koulibaly, who scored, by the way, against Tottenham. But still, their defense is nowhere near where it was. And the offense is struggling. And for the last two years, it really hasn't mattered who you put in there. Kai Havertz, Mason Mount, Raheem Sterling, Christian Pulisic, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, hudson Adoy, Romelu Lukaku. Like, it doesn't matter who you put up there. They have struggled significantly. So is it really the players? Because Mason Mount has played really well for Chelsea, and he plays really well for England. Kai Havertz has played really well before. He scored the winner in the Champions League. He's played really well for Germany. Christian Pulisic, we've seen what he did for the United States of America and then his national team. And then we also see Timo Werner leave Chelsea to go back to Germany to play with Red Bull Leipzig. And he scored a goal on his debut. Romelu Lukaku went back to Inter Milan in Italy. And he looks good. So, like, at this point, it's not really the players. Because Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, and Raheem Sterling are really good players. At some point, you have to say, it's Thomas Tuchel. Like, something is not going on right there with the system. I don't know exactly what it is, but like something needs to change. And apparently Thomas Tuchel doesn't see it. Apparently he sees the need for transfers. They need Anthony Golden from Everton. They need other players. I mean, like other players are not going to help you. They got Raheem Sterling to fix this and it hasn't worked out so far. So like the problem with Chelsea, Chelsea has a problem. The problem with Chelsea is not the execution of the plan. It is the plan. Now, I'm not advocating for Thomas Tuchel to get fired, but he needs to understand that they have a problem or Chelsea are, I mean, the teams at the top of the Premier League got better this season. Arsenal is in first. Arsenal is the only team right now that has not lost or drawn a game. They've won their three games. They were against mid-table teams, but they have nine points. And Gabriel Jesus who was transferred in from Man City, looks like the best Premier League player right now. I mean, it's going crazy for Arsenal. Arsenal got better. Man City got Erling Haaland. They got better. We'll talk about Liverpool, but Tottenham got better. I mean, Chelsea are going to have to fight for the Champions League for the top four spot this year, and they don't really look like they have it in them right now. So something needs to change. I'm not advocating for getting rid of Tuchel, and that's not going to happen because they have their new manager, Todd Bowley. And basically... For the transfer window this summer, it's been Todd Bowley, the owner, and Thomas Tuchel, the manager, running the show. Like, there's no one else who's doing it. And they want to give Tuchel an extension. And that's fine. But Tuchel needs to understand that there's a reason his offense and all the players he puts on there aren't working. And it's because of his plan. And he needs to fix it. And if Christian Pulisic is not starting in the game, in the starting 11, against Leicester, on Saturday, then, I mean, there have been transfer rumors around him. He's going to go to Newcastle. He's going to go to Man United. Apparently, he's decided he wants to stay. But if he's not starting against Leicester after the performance that the front three has had, I mean, like, he really needs to go. Maybe he can go to Leeds. Oh, that'd be something. How about that? Oh. And Serginho Dest can go, too. Because Serginho Dest is now out of the team at Barcelona. He's not even on the bench. So Dest and Pulisic can go to Leeds. I mean, what would that be? How about that? If you say so. So then the last thing I wanted to get into in the Premier League was Monday's game this week, which was Manchester United and Liverpool. Now, both of those teams have struggled to start the season, but Manchester United especially. I mean, coming into this game, they had zero points. Like, they lost last week 4-0 to Brentford, who then played Fulham, Full America, and lost 3-2. So, Full America. Full America, by the way, in seventh place in the Premier League with five points. I mean, they're doing pretty well. So, but also, I mean, Manchester United looked bad and they've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, they play Liverpool, who only had two points to start the season. They had draws in their first two matches, including to Full America in the first weekend of the season. But Liverpool were like, what's going on with Liverpool? So, those two play and Manchester United does not start. Cristiano Ronaldo at striker, or Harry Maguire in defense, and that was a big deal. 
and they win 2-1. They beat Liverpool. Manchester United, I mean, they just looked abysmal the first two matches of the season, and they look so much better without Cristiano Ronaldo. That's impressive. Like, it's pretty crazy to think about, but they actually looked a lot better. And Liverpool, I mean, oof, they did not look good. I mean, Liverpool's got a bunch of injuries right now. They, I mean, a couple. But, like, they were down 1-0 at halftime, and everybody's thinking, I was thinking, I mean, Jurgen Klopp, the manager for Liverpool, is probably the best in the world at halftime substitutions. We've seen him again and again. Liverpool are trailing at halftime, and they come out, and like in the first five minutes, they barrage you, and they score. They looked like they were trying to do that, but it did not happen. And Manchester United score a second. So Man United won 2-1. I mean, ooh. So now Liverpool are in 16th with two points in the table right now. Like, the relegation race is Liverpool 16, Everton 17, Wolves 18, Leicester 19, and West Ham 20. West Ham has zero points. The only team who has lost all three games. So buckle up because this Premier League season is going to be absolutely wild. I am here for it. Even American football coming up. This English football has got my attention. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. So, there you go. That's basically my Premier League update for this week. And that's basically what I've got for this week's edition of the Zaders Facts Podcast. So, thank you all for listening. And remember, if you liked all the facts that we had on this week's edition of the podcast, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 73, rate the podcast, review the podcast. Then go on all your socials, social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Zaders Facts, that is Zader with A-Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Zaders Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends. Check out Zaders Facts on YouTube. Check out Zaders Weekend Facts. And check out the Zaders Facts link tree for all the Zaders Facts links that you need. So I said I was going to provide a little bit of a roadmap. So the next two weeks here on Zaners Facts, is our Xander's Facts football season preview. So that's what we're doing for the next two weeks. College next week, and then the NFL in two weeks. So I know I've said I haven't really gotten into football yet. And maybe I will, but I'm really into soccer right now. But we're still going to get your previews out. So don't worry. You're going to know what's going on. Sure about that? And then later this fall, this fall is going to be extremely busy. Because if you didn't know, There's some big elections coming up in November, the midterms. We are going, for several weeks, we are going to be breaking down races, looking at polling, looking at data, seeing what's going on, trying to figure out what's going to happen in the midterms. Like, that's going to be multi-episode stuff. And then the week before Election Day, Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. The week before, on the 2nd, Wednesday, November 2nd, we're going to have an episode dropping that is just going to be the ultimate midterm preview so then the next week because election day is on a tuesday we're not going to have a new episode of the podcast the day after election day because we may not even know like who controls congress or the house or we may not know a bunch of racist results on election night so we're not going to do a podcast that week but the next week i mean the next week might have the longest podcast ever in the history of the zaders facts in the middle of November, because that same week, we are going to do our midterm election results, I mean, recap, see what happened, talk about what happened, and then, in that same episode, we're going to have our ultimate World Cup preview, because the next week is when the World Cup starts, in November, so that's going to be on one episode, in the next few weeks, of course, we're going to talk about the World Cup. So that's what's going on this fall on Xander's Facts, we have got a ton to talk about, We're going to have a ton of facts. So the next few weeks and months, make sure to stay tuned to the Xander's Facts podcast and Xander's Weekend Facts because we are going to have a ton of facts on everything. You are not going to want to miss it. So that's basically it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all for listening and we'll see y'all with episode 74 next week.
Tschüss.